Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. Would you turn with me to James chapter 2? Um, <clears throat> now, as you're turning there, if we were to summarize this book, that is the book of James, right? I think a good way to summarize it would be belief that behaves. In summary of the whole book, belief that behaves. And as you can see, I've kind of given a cheeky subtitle there, right? Belief that behaves, especially as it relates today to money. Belief that behaves. Remember in James chapter 1, verse 22, James says, Be a, he says, don't be just a hearer of the word, but what? Be a doer of the word, not deceiving yourselves. It'd be useless for us all to be here today in church, quote unquote. You know, we are the church, but getting together in the Lord's name and then listen to his word and then not go on to obey it, or at least cry out to him for help to obey that which he reveals to us. We'd be deceiving ourselves. Who's got time for that? I ain't got time to be spent. I've been here since 12 o'clock this morning slash afternoon. I'm going to be here till what, 5 o'clock like last week, 6 o'clock, quarter past 6. Who's got time for that? If this ain't real. I mean, so... James is saying, you know what, don't just be a hearer, but be a doer of this word, don't deceive yourselves. And here in, 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 in our chapter, which um, is chapter 2, we're going to look at a topic, and the topic is, at least in terms of these particular verses, is the sin of favoritism. The sin of favoritism. That's our topic. So, chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 1 to 13. And I'm going to read. I'm reading from the ESV. <clears throat> My brothers. Notice immediately who James is already speaking to. Show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but falls in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit murder but do sorry if you do not commit adultery but do murder you've become a transgressor of the law so so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy but mercy triumphs over judgment Now, just to give a little bit of context, in chapter 1, James says, remember four things. He says, remember your identity in verse 1. Verse 2 to 4, he says, remember that you're in a battle. It's good to remember that. 
In verse 5 and verse 16 through 17, James says, Remember your God. In chapter 1, verse 18 through to 27, he says to them, You know what, as believers, you're actually training to win. You're in training, but in order to win. And then from verse 9 through to verse 11 of chapter 1, he makes reference to the poor and the rich. And we're going to basically kind of pick up that theme as we jump into, into, into chapter 2. So to sum up, James has been talking about Christians in his time, but it relates to us. And he says, look away from yourselves and look to God. Because in chapter 1 he talks about going through trials and tests, right? And he says, count it all joy and so on. He says, he says don't look to the trials. He says, look to God. And then he says, as, as you as believers look to God, listen and obey him. Now, with all of that kind of good stuff in mind, we come to our our topic um, for today. And before we begin to look at the text, I want you to look at a few slides, right? I want you to look at this person. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with who this person is, but if someone like this was possibly kind of, let's say you're sitting down right here in church and and this person comes and sits next to you, would you be inclined to kind of talk to them, say hi to them? Or let's say that person's sitting down in a chair and you come, to, you come to sit down. Is this the type of person you'd possibly potentially sit down and kind of strike up a conversation with? Or would you be like... Now remember, when I said I've done this first of all, it was supposed to be for young people. If you, let's say you're a young person in here. Is this the kind of person you're going to come and sit down next to and strike conversation up with? Probably not. Right? Probably not. Yeah, let me show you a picture of him that's a bit more clear. Any ideas who this man actually is? George Armani. Now, what I need to do real quickly, Shabazz, you're going to have to pause the the video thing because I need to look at a note here. Forgive me. Turn off mirroring. Is that right, Joel? So if I go like this, yeah, so, there we go. So George Armani, how about, how, about, how about this person here, have a look at this person. Another old foggy type looking person, right? Again, one of the type of people that you're not necessarily going to want to sit down to, sit down next to, you know who this is? Anybody know who this is? It's Calvin Klein. You'd be like, boy, I'd definitely, I'd definitely sit down next to Calvin Klein. If I'd known it was him, definitely sit down next to him. How about this, this old, again, grey hair old man? Now, obviously, I've set you up, right? So, to so some degree, you'd be like, yeah, I'd definitely sit next to him. I don't care who he is, right? Any ideas? No, no, I don't know who this is. Yeah, but you know the stuff that he makes, though. Yeah. This is Ralph Lauren. You know, be like, yeah, what? Everybody would be trying to sit next to him now, knowing who he is, right? All right, how about, how about this dude? <laughs> and his missus. Who's going to try and go up and talk to these two people, you know what I'm saying, in church? Now you're looking for someone who's slick. You're looking for someone who's kind of like trendy looking and... Remember, we're talking about partiality. This is his partner. The, well, actually, we're talking about the gentleman and this guy. They, 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 they were the inventors or the creators of something that we're all familiar with. You probably don't know their names or who they are, but look at what they designed and created. One of them's name is Philip... Sorry, William Bowerman... That's him and his missus, and the other gentleman is Philip Knight. Still no ideas? All right. Yeah. Every, oh my gosh. I think that, and this was probably, I think this was the first Nike trainer that they invented. The creators of, of Nike. Nah. You see how dangerous it can be to be partial. 
That's, that, that is to look and, 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 and judge on the basis of aesthetics, on the basis of that which you see. Now, now that you know who these people are, right? <clears throat> would you rather sit next to them or would you rather sit next to these people? That's not a hard question, is it? Now, the thing is, right, immediately we would say, oh, definitely, Ralph Lauren, George Armani, da da da, we'd like to sit next to those people. You know what I mean? Who knows? They might want to bless me. Nike, the guys who own Nike, who created it. Who knows? I might be able to get a pair of trainers out of this all. Now, you look at these people and immediately you will contrast them and say, the other guys. But you never met these people. You don't know who these people are. You have no idea what these people are like. But can you see how easily we can be partial? Again, I've set you up. You remember a program that came on a couple of years back? It was called Famous, Rich and Homeless. In 2009 on BBC One, this program came on and says, have you ever thought about what it would be like to be homeless. Well, five famous volunteers ag agreed to live as rough sleepers on the streets of London in the middle of winter. And here who they are. The Marquis of Blandford, the one shows Hardeep Singh, um, journalist Rosie Boyc Boycott, and uh, former Coronation Street actor Bruce Jones and teen tennis star Annabelle Croft. They swapped their lavish lifestyles, fame and their fortune for a world of soup runs and hostels. It's funny, isn't it? even then you could still make a bad decision and choose not to jam with people that are actually pretty influential. But again, it's this whole thing about what people look like. Now, back to James chapter 2. Remember, this book is written by who? By James, Jesus' brother, half-brother, right? So if anyone's going to know what Jesus would have to say about stuff like this, it's going to be James, because he's lived up, and clo up close and personal with Jesus over a protracted period of time, right? He would have had a good idea of how Jesus relates to other people up close and personally. Verse 1 of, of our text, I believe, says, My brothers, and notice who James is speaking to. He's speaking to believers, my brothers and sisters, if you like, Christians. He says, show no partiality. Show no favoritism, no bias, no unfair conclusions. As you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. See, these two things are mutually exclusive. That is... Holding faith in one hand, and then you're saying that you're going to be partial on the, on the other hand. You can't, you can't hold both of those things together at the same time. See, belief in Jesus does not show partiality or favoritism. Now, this is going back to, to James's big point, but we'll come back to that in a moment. James will now paint a picture for us, right? Possibly highlighting um, something that has happened, possibly in a real sense, or maybe it's just a hypothetical scenario that he's going to paint, right? Verse 2 through to verse 4. He says, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in a good place, well, you say to the poor man, you stand up over there, man. Or if you're going to sit down, just sit down on the floor, innit? Verse 4, James says, if you do this, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? James says to these Christians, you have now set yourself up as what? As a judge. I mean, you know nothing about this person, and even if what you see is true, how are you supposed to respond? I mean, knowing that you're a believer, at least a believer in Christ Jesus. 
He says what you've done is you've actually set yourself above Christ in this sense because now you set yourself up as a judge. And in two, he says you've begun to think things that fall into the category of evil. You've become judges with evil thoughts. And you've done so without prior knowledge of who this person actually is. You're judging. And it sounds quite serious, doesn't it? Well, could we be found guilty of doing the very same thing? They say you should never judge a book, right, by its cover. Yet we do it all the time. Amen, brother. We do it all the time. Now, obviously, if I had a bit more time to, ha- to have prepared this message properly, I would give you a more up-to-date clip, but I'm going to go with what I got, right? Because it makes the point. Judging a book by its cover. I mean, I glimpsed Susan Boyle last night on, I don't know, which one was it? Was it X Factor or Britain's Got Talent or which one? I know it's not The Voice because that's a completely different program, right? Was it, on, was it X Factor? She, Britain's Got Talent, she came on and she done a little cameo, innit? Now, we all know when she come out, everyone's like, oh, boy, Susan Boyle, yeah, yeah, heavy, heavy. Yeah, that's now. But what about then when we saw her looking like that, real scary? And she came out. Remember? Alright, well if you don't remember, let me refresh your memory. And I'm playing this for a point. Look at the way, not only the crowd, but also the judges. Look at the way, not just the way the crowd respond, but also look at the way that the judges respond. Look at their expressions, you know what they say. 70% 70% of communication is non-verbal. <laughs> oh, where are we going? Now, at this point, what are you thinking about this woman? You know what I'm saying? Oh, what have I done? Sorry, Shabazz. This is a nightmare for you now, bruv, to edit this, right? Oh, I'll leave it alone. I won't touch it again.
probably will seen it a million times on YouTube, I don't know how many hits it's got, but um, again, just to see the, the difference before and after. Now imagine if I told you that there was someone sitting in here today that you may not possibly know, that could potentially be a Susan Boyle, you know what I mean? Or someone that actually is rich and famous. How would that begin to make you feel? Right here in this room. And if I were to reveal them to you, you go, man, I can't believe it. And before you even leave today, it's up on your Twitter that guess who was at my church today? Now hopefully I can come back to that towards the end. If I don't remember, remind me, because I'm all over the place today. Now, she didn't look like a singer. She didn't look like a performer. Yet she was, and everybody was mistaken about her and prejudged her categorically. Like, who's this woman? Where does she think she's going? And I mean, it'd be like... Do you see that program in America where people come on the stage and they literally, if you're not saying nothing within five, ten seconds, they just start booing you off, like off, off, off. Was it live at, um, at the Apollo? See, that's called prejudice. That's unfair discrimination. And James calls it sin. See, that's when it happens amongst us, particularly. See, if I look at someone and I, judge, and I judge them because of their age, they call that ageism. If I look at someone and I, and, I, and I judge them because of their gender, that's sexism. If we're an issue of colour, what would that be? Serious issue. Racism. And when it comes to the issue of choosing between the rich and the poor, if you favour the rich over the poor... You're being partial. And you can't be saying that Jesus is Lord on one hand and being partial on the other. Can you see that? You can't say that Jesus is your Lord and be partial. You're saying one thing out of the side of one side of your mouth and you're saying something else on the other side of your mouth. We hear, you hear James talk about this, don't you? I think it's later on in chapter 3. You ever, hear, you, ever hear, you ever hear the statement, you speak with forked tongue? I can't remember, was it the Indians said that of the, the white man back in, I don't know, back in the early days of the, the United States? Forked tongue. That's one tongue, but two, two, two aspects to it, right? One part of the, the tongue saying one thing and another part of the tongue saying something else. That's favoritism and you're being partial, you're sinning. Against the poor, that person, but also against the Lord. Now, in verse 5 through to 7, we're going to see James bring a rebuke and some correction. He's not just going to hot you up and leave you 
blazing. Verse 5, listen, my beloved brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? See, does that mean that, that God has, has not chosen? If he's chosen the poor, we're like, wow, Lord, I need to be careful how I judge and how I treat others. But if God has chosen the poor, does that mean that he has not chosen the rich? Has he chosen the poor to be saved but not chosen the rich to be saved? No, because we hear the rich mentioned in chapter 1, verse 9 through to 11, where, where James talks about the lowly brother, but he also talks about the rich brother in the same context. So, of course, God saves people who are rich, but the point is, it's harder for a, a rich person to be saved. And we talked about that last week in our community group. You know what I'm saying? It's like we've got to be careful when it comes to this issue of riches. Right? Pastor E warned us of that last week. We saw that in, in Luke 8 with that parable of the rich man who cocked up his feet and said, Yeah, soul, just call, just relax, everything's alright. But we noticed in that parable that it was all about me, 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 I, 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 with regards to that rich man, right? He was more concerned about himself and, and less concerned about others. We've got to be careful. Because riches are deceitful and they can cause our inclination to become evil. James says, don't be deceived. So, the thing about the rich is, very often they're not concerned about life. They're not concerned about the future because they're set, as that man in the parable described. And it's funny because... There was another rich individual that Jesus spoke to um, in Luke chapter 18, right? And this rich young ruler, he's kind of termed, comes to Jesus and he asks him about eternal life and how he can gain it. And Jesus said, oh, if you really want to have eternal life, then keep the commandments. Now, to us, we're like, mm, keep the commandments. Can you get life by keeping the commandments? Well, technically, yes. I mean, practically, no. But technically, yes. Because if you keep the commandments perfectly, you know what I'm saying, you actually will go to heaven. But the problem is, practically, no one can keep them. You know what I mean? So, Jesus says to him, keep the commandments. And the guy turns around and he says, well, you know what? As far as the commandments are concerned, he says, I've kept them. I'm saying, I haven't committed adultery, never murdered, never stolen, etc. And Jesus said, really? Jesus said to him, okay, well, if that's the case then, I mean, you're actually perfect in complete righteousness Jesus says well I tell you what you do just sell everything that you've got you're rich right yeah just sell everything that you've got and come and follow me and um, and actually give what you sell to the poor and come and follow me and he says to him then you'll have treasure in heaven you'll have treasure not, not here but you have treasure in heaven but for someone who's kept the commandments I mean you love God with all your heart soul strength and might right so it's going to be nothing for you to do that right how many of you know the rich man couldn't do that? And Jesus, in response to his I've kept the commandments, points out the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth commandment. And in so doing, he basically was saying to him, Look, if you haven't kept all of these, you haven't even kept the first one. Because this guy turns around and walks away sorrowful, knowing that he's not about to sell all that he has and follow Jesus what, and become a pauper. Well, like Jesus, I just heard you say a minute ago, foxes are, foxes, no, birds of the air have nests, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Well, I'm going to try and follow you. No, I don't think so. And he went away sorrowful. And what basically Jesus was showing him was, you, you, you haven't kept the commandment. You haven't even kept the first commandment. Because if you really loved God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength, you'd have sold that. But you can't. Why? Because you love your money with your, your whole heart, with your whole soul. So, the rich man didn't say, Lord, forgive me. He walked away sorrowful. Why? Because he had great riches. And Luke 18 says, verse 23... It says, but when he heard these things, he became very sad. Why? 
for he was extremely rich. Jesus looking at him with sadness. Notice how Jesus responds to him. With sadness said, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is sad when people turn away from him and reject him, especially for things that are really not as important as we think they are. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26, through to 28, it says, and speaking particularly to Christians, Paul is here, and that is Christians then, but also, how many of you know, to Christians now? Verse 26, for consider your calling, brothers and sisters, Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were very powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. But notice, these poor... That is, these who God has chosen are actually very rich. And how are they rich? I think if we look at verse 5 again in James. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich? How? In faith. In faith. They may not be rich materially, says James. But they are rich. And they're rich spiritually. It's those that Jesus makes reference to in the Beatitudes, right? When he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now if you really think about that, which of those two riches is prime? See, which would you prefer? Would you prefer to be poor in spirit on earth and rich in the kingdom of heaven? Or would you rather be rich on earth materially and poor in terms of the things of the kingdom of heaven? I mean, in its proper context, there really is no choice, is there? Unless you're happy with the things that are temporal versus the things that are eternal. Look at verse 6 and 7 of James chapter 2. James goes on, he says, but look, you've dishonoured the poor man. You've dishonoured the poor man. And And it's a rebuke. James says this is terrible. He says, look, are not the rich ones... Right? Individuals who do free things to you. Not only are you, are you, are you, are you being partial for the wrong reason, you're being partial for more than one reason. Because these individuals that you're partial to, you sh- one, you shouldn't be because you're prejudging. But two, look at what these people are like. He says, three things. He says, are not the rich the ones who oppress you? And the ones who drag you into court, are they not the ones who blaspheme the honourable name by which you are called? Not only are you partial, you're unfairly partial. These rich that you prefer, they offend the name of Jesus, your saviour. And, and, and you favour them, says James. You favour the blasphemer, over, but over the potential believer. That's twisted. And James says that's not behavior that's consistent with what you believe. James is talking about believers who act in a way that is becoming of that which they believe. He's talking about behaving like believers. It's the whole message of his book. Can you hear it? Can, it's a reprimand, it's a rebuke. It's correction. And how many of you know in situations like this, one, because we can tend to be selfish in our thinking, right? 
You're not actually helping that other person. How many of you know these rich people needed a rebuke? They didn't need you sidling up next to them and acting like... They needed someone to correct them. You see how, you see how this progression of partiality is a downward progression. And I wonder... There are many famous people who end up in disaster because individuals are in their, who in, are in their close, tight network of friends and maybe even family, or maybe I should say family and maybe friends. There are individuals who are, in, who are rich and famous, but they've got no one around them that's willing to be honest with them. Why? Because of their own personal, it's like, I think about Michael Jackson. I mean, how messed up was he? I wonder, I wonder how many people in his network just said, yes sir, no sir, three bags full sir, to Michael Jackson. Because they're benefiting from being up close and personal to him. And if they were to really be honest with him and say, you know what, Michael, I think about Amy Winehouse. I think about Whitney Houston. People who just you would bleed them rather than be honest with them. How about like Donald Trump? I mean, who is going to tell him about his bald head, right, that he keeps on... What do they call, is that a, what they call it? Is it a kipper? What do they call it? What do they call it? A comb-over. I mean, the man's bald, right? He's got like three strands of hair that he's combing over to make out. But who's going to say to Donald Trump, fam, on a level? Because if you... Do, how many of you know that's it for you? That's it. See, no one in their friendship circles are prepared to tell them the truth. But the thing is, we laugh, but we're just as bad. We're just as bad. We are partial when we stand to benefit. James rebukes the Christians of his time, and it's also a rebuke for for Christians of our time. It's a rebuke for us. Last week we heard that the love of money... Is the root of all evil. Another translation says the love of, not money, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. I mean, there's a whole heap of evil things people will do because of the love of money. I mean, in First Timothy 6, again, this came up in our community group. Um, Paul's like to Timothy, you know what? He says, those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation and a snare. Now he didn't say those who are rich. What did he say? He said those who desire to be rich. You ain't even rich yet. Those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and into many harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Now who wants that? Who wants to be drowned in destruction and perdition? I mean, just to be drowned would be enough. In destruction and perdition. And that's the person who just desires to be rich. See? The love of money is... And and when you love money, it will make you lose your mind. You you lose all your scruples. You may not lose all your scruples. But you could easily lose some of your scruples. Some people lose all of their scruples. Love of money. Now, James is saying that's wrong to have that inclination. To be partial in your thinking because of your love of money. Right? But now he's going to tell them what's right. He's going to tell us what's right. And here's the exhortation to obedience in verse 8. He says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, which is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, it doesn't say, love your rich neighbor. I'm saying, if you, shall, if you shall love your neighbor, whoever they are, and that doesn't mean that if they're rich, you don't love them. We should love the rich as well. But he says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, then you're doing well. Now think about it. How would you feel if someone did this to you? 
And I mean, if you was that old person, I mean, because, hey, it's coming, you know. I mean, I said, for the past six months, I've been said, I probably said it about ten times, I'll say it one more time. In 15 years' time, I will be 60. And I'm like, no, I'm like Moses. I'll be like, Lord, help me to teach me to number my days. So that I may gain a heart of wisdom. I'm going to be that old person one day. I went out with the guys yesterday to play some football. Oh my gosh. It's a miracle that I'm standing here before you today. And I'm, I mean, I only played for 35 minutes. so. But I'm getting older and I'm starting to feel it. And I'm like, you know what? Imagine if I treat that person in that way because I'm going to be that guy. In the not too distant future. And so will you. So will you. Is that how you would like to be treated? And who knows what you're going to be like then. I saw this little old lady cross the road two weeks ago. Sydenham. On the zebra crossing just at the hump on the train station. And this poor lady, she couldn't hold her head up. She had her head down like this. Walking across the street. And she was waiting for the traffic to stop. And she wasn't sure if it stopped because she couldn't look up at the traffic. And I was in my car, sitting about three cars back. And I looked and I thought, Lord Jesus. I thought, look at that poor old lady. At some point... We're going to be that person that we could easily now be rejecting. May God help us. Imagine if, if you're a young person, right? And someone says, shut up and sit down. You're only 16. Shut up. Shut up. And because of your age, you were treated in that fashion. Imagine if someone said, I mean, someone said, they did say that. You're not allowed to sit in this part of the bus. You're black. Or, you know what? This chair's actually already taken. Lie. It's already taken. Because you smelt them coming. Like five meters away. You ever been on a tube? And the whole of the carriage. You walk in and you didn't know. You walk in and you sit down and you're like, Whoa. If you struck a match, the whole of that tube would ex- would explode, and you kind of you either I don't know you you either sit there and and and, and cope with it because you only got one stop right, or if you know you got a good couple, of, you get up and you move in it because see that person who's not necessarily financially impressive can be treated in a way, but if, if that person was you. How would you feel? You'd feel wronged because someone else is being partial and they're not treated. How does that person feel on the train? I don't know. See, if you, don't, if, if you wouldn't like having it done to you, then don't do it to somebody else. James is so straightforward. That's the point. See, in the way we act toward others... Shows how we actually feel about God. Because whoever they are, they're created in the image of God, in the likeness of God. And they may not be on our levels, they may not be on your standards. But you treating them in that fashion talks a lot about how you're actually treating. If you love your neighbor, if you love your neighbor, that shows how you feel about God. Verse 9 through 11. But if you show partiality, James goes in again, he says, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors or lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in just one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do murder... (laughs) You've become a transgressor of the law. And what James is doing here is what Jesus did with the rich ruler. 
He said the law is for the unrighteous. We're going to see that when we do the book of Timothy. The law is for the unruly, for the lawbreaker. James is using the law to show the believers of his time their sinfulness and James still speaks to us today, or should I say God still speaks through the words of James to us today, showing us how we break the law and exposing our sinfulness. And we are sinners, aren't we? We're lawbreakers. Starting at the beginning of Romans, Paul goes in on the Gentiles and the Jews are standing there saying, yeah, let them have it. And he's like, sorry? <laughs> and he turns on them, right? We are lawbreakers. Yet, Jesus died for those who, broke, who, who break the law. And he is willing to bring forgiveness to the law-breaking and to those who are not law-abiding citizens. We deserve to be punished because of the fact that we've broken God's law. But God punished Christ on the cross in our place. In order that we might be forgiven and also in order that we might be, as I prayed at the beginning, not just that we would be forgiven, but also that we would be changed. God forgives us, but God on that basis therefore expects us to change. You got off the hook. Now, are you going to be like that wicked servant who goes and throttles the other servant? No, you show mercy and you show grace because you've received grace, right? And if we genuinely have been forgiven, then God has given us a power that comes by his spirit to love others genuinely. We can't do it ourselves. We don't have it. We are partial by inclination. And apart from God transforming us and changing us, and us having our minds renewed, we cannot do it. So we need to ask him for his help. He exposes our sinfulness, and then he desires for us to recognize that we're messed up. That we might cry out to him. Oh wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body? The things I want to do I don't do. And the things that I ought to do. Sorry the things I, I don't. The things I ought to do I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do. That's what I find myself doing. Oh wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? Jesus forgives us. But then he desires to change us. If we will let him. And <clears throat> that's what will enable these believers in the first century. But it's also that which will help us as believers to obey in the 21st century. As we finish, verse 12 says, James says, look, so speak and so act. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. As those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Why? Verse 13 says, For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Ooh. Now, as we said, if God forgives us because of our twisted, messed up, um, evil hearts, if he forgives us, then if we don't forgive others, if, if God has cleaned us up and he's changed us and we look at others who are not like us, and we don't treat them in a way that's right, then, then woe betide us. And that's why James is saying, don't deceive yourself. It's all great sitting down in church. And I'm saying, it's great for you, Robert, to be standing up there preaching it. I mean, I bear the greater judgment if I don't do it. But that don't get you off the hook because you're not the preacher. And I mean, <laughs> James talks about those who hear and don't do. So that's all of us, isn't it? So he says, you know what, so speak and so do by his grace, empowering you to. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. But James emphasizes that mercy triumphs over judgment. That's his desire, that we would respond. So in summary, back to verse 1, my brothers, my sisters, not in the first century, but in the 21st century, Let's show no partiality as we hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the Lord of glory with partiality. Amen. Now, just before I pray, would you consider this verse? And I just want us maybe just to take 30 seconds, one minute, just to have a look at this verse and think about it in our minds. It's from Proverbs 28, verse 21. It says, to show partiality is not good, but for a piece of bread, a man will do wrong. I mean, talk about someone doing wrong for like a million pound or even a, you know, 10,000 pound or even for a hundred pound. For a piece of bread, someone will be partial. Let's just take a minute to think about that with regards to ourselves. And let's ask God if he will help us. Not to be this way. Let's take a minute. Father, it's evident that you're concerned about partiality. Think about the Lord Jesus and the fact that when he came, there wasn't any, anything glorious, anything wonderful about him. He just looked pretty normal. There was no halo. He didn't hover six inches above the ground. He wasn't shining. There wasn't anything about him that would cause us to be impressed with him. And it's just so typical of you. Jesus comes, the Son of God, who's going to bear the sins of the, of the whole world, past, present and future. And he doesn't come, he doesn't come to a five-star hotel. He comes and he's lowly and he's meek and he's humble. And, we could, and, and they could have missed it. I think so many of them did. They missed it. And Father, we can do likewise. Would you please help us? Lord, not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Especially when it comes to this money thing, Lord. Help those of us who believe to behave in a fashion, in a, in a manner that's consistent with our belief. This world is not our home. We're only traveling through. We're pilgrims. We're sojourners. Yet, Lord, our hearts are so, so, are so desperate for the things of this world. Lord, would you help us? Would you help me, Lord? Every day, Lord, if it's not, if it's not a car, if it ain't, um, if it ain't a new item of clothing, Lord, if it ain't, oh wow, you know, my house is nice, but wouldn't it be nice to have a bigger house and? Lord, our inclination is, we're just insatiable. We just want more and we want more. Someone said to, I, I, I can't, was it Rockefeller, Father? Someone said to him, you know, how much more, you know, how much more would be enough? And he said, just a little bit more. We're just so insatiable, Lord. And, and would you please help us? Because without your help, Father, we will go astray. We will lust after these things and be drawn away by them. Doesn't mean we can't have nice things, Father, but would you temper our desires by your grace, Lord? Because left to ourselves, Lord, Father, we do ask that you do this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, help us practically as a church, Lord, that when people come through the doors, I mean... The, the doors are not even ours it's not even our building yet Lord we could get to a place where someone comes in and be like oh who are you who are they who is she who's he it's not even our building but yet we can get like that Lord it's, it's so sinful Father would you help us especially as Pastor E's getting ready next week to talk further about our treasure it helps us when we look at, when we look at treasure in, 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 in the possession of others, Lord. As we begin to consider treasure in our own possession, Lord. Help us when it comes to this issue of money. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.
presence I know there 